Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Sunday. Would you stand with me? Welcome online. What we're going to do today is we're going to sing a little bit about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit as we celebrate this Holy Trinity today. So let's worship together.
Open wide the gates of heaven. 
God, we come into this place, and if we're honest, we've come confessing that we don't have all the answers. And so today, especially on this kind of day, on Trinity Sunday, we lean into the mystery of who you are, but there are things that we know. There are things that we know about you, and that is you are holy. We know that you are mighty. And we thank you that you are so merciful. We pray this morning that as we lean into the things that we don't yet know, that you will teach us. Lord, that we will come humbly before you and allow your spirit to do something in our minds and in our hearts and even in our hands and feet today. Will you move us? Will you teach us? Lord, on this weekend especially, we think of those who are grieving the loss of loved ones who have died in the line of duty and We think of them today. We pray for your comfort. And Lord, we look forward to the the day that you return and you set all things right and that there will be no more war, that there will be your peace reigning supreme. And we look forward to that day, Lord, and we pray for your return. We love you. Help us to love you more. Help us to become more like you as we listen and we obey. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'm so happy to see you all here. I see some new faces. I see some old faces. If this is your first time or second time, or maybe you've not filled out one of those little cards, we've got some in the back. We used to have them in the backs of the seats, you know, um, but covid And so we do have some communication cards that are in the lobby. And so we invite you to grab those um, and fill one out and put it in one of the little receptacle things in the back. I never, the boxes on the wall. I never know what to call those things. They're boxes. So... (laughs) But we want to welcome you here, and we're so glad that you are here this morning, and I'm going to pass it over to to you. We've mentioned it today, but today is Trinity Sunday, and so I thought, well, maybe we should read what we affirm about this triune God. And so uh, we did this last week at our baptism affirmation, but we want to do this again today. Um, You will find on the screen the Apostles' Creed, and will you read this with me? This is what we as the church universal around the world uh, proclaim read this with me i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth and in jesus christ his only son our lord who was conceived by the holy spirit born of the virgin mary suffered under pontius pilate was crucified died and was buried he descended into hell The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, 
and the resurrection of the body. Amen. Oh, blessing. Amen. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you, God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us even now. We thank you, Jesus, that you would die for us. And as we have celebrated Easter and have celebrated your ascension and we have celebrated the coming of the Holy Spirit, uh, Father, I pray that you will be glorified in this church. We love you and we worship you even now. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, there's a lot of, you know, around these times, you know, with COVID just bringing everything kind of down, it's just so amazing to see every Sunday I feel like there's more and more and more people. And, and especially this one, there's just a lot of new faces. And so uh, I want to welcome you again one more time here. And if you're joining us online as well, welcome. My name is Justin. I'm actually the director here at Port Orange Church in Nazarene. But we're going to come to a time of the service where we are going to do what is called passing the peace to one another. Uh, and the reason why we practice this here is because we not only, you know, are expected to have a, a great relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, but he also wants us to have a great relationship with one another. You know, this is not a, uh, a one-way, you know, just, hey, look, this is it. I mean, we are surrounded with many other people, and there's a reason for that, and it's because our faith is to be lived together. And so uh, we want that peace between one another. And so if you're online and you're thinking of somebody, uh, feel free to tag them. Or, or if not, then just write their name down, and we'll, we'll know to pray for peace for them. But if you're here in the building, uh, it looks a little bit different in this time. You know, we're going to do maybe an air five, an air hug, wave to somebody again. And, uh, you know, maybe the first one to tell you this morning, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Pass that peace to one another. Guys, uh, I want to remind you guys, uh, you know, feel free for sure, because I mean, we got that little bit of time here. Feel free to wait, hang out at the end of service, you know, we don't mind. My wife is always getting mad at me for staying late, so it's okay. <laughs> She's used to it by now. Uh, but, uh, you know, we want to hang out with you guys, and so when service is over, definitely feel free to meet out, meet us out, you know, in the foyer, and uh, we can definitely catch up and hang out. Uh, guys, we have some announcements. Uh, the first one is this. The youth group, actually, if we pop up a picture here, Boom. We actually went to Universal Studios yesterday, and let me tell you something. We're ordering tickets, and we're getting stuff done, and then all of a sudden, I get on the phone with the sales rep for Universal, and he goes, how many tickets did you buy? And I'm like, oh, 17, 19, I'm like counting up, and he goes, that is a huge number. And I just thought to myself, I was like, to think that a year ago, you know, I think we had maybe four or five teens, and to see where it's coming along, and so just amazing group of teens. We... We truly, we truly had a blast yesterday, guys. I mean, I did not want to leave. I did not want to leave. You know, Leon and Corey were amazing, and they're good at keeping the, the lid tight on the bottle. But they said, meet us at 6 o'clock, get on your last ride, and uh, my group showed up at 6.30 to meet with them. We didn't want to head out, and so, uh, you know, we had some fun. Anyways, uh, another thing, too, is we have Jason. Uh, we have a lot of new faces here, but we have Jason, Pastor Jason, in the building with us. Jason, if you wave your hand. 
Jason is going to be joining us with his wonderful family. Uh, June 13th will be their first official Sunday, but he's going to be joining us in ministry with some outreach. And with that, today he's come to bless us with his presence as well as he brought his friend with him from Haiti, Franz, right? Is that the way to say it? Franz. So Franz is here from Haiti. He, uh, he helps Jason out with ministry and stuff like that. So welcome them. And, and in general, in general, first of all, I mean, just looking around, you know, Guys, I mean, I think there's probably like, I feel like I see like 10 new faces in here. So for those of you guys who are uh, here, it's your first time. Two things. The first one is welcome. Two things. Oh, two things. Two things. Two things. Two things. The first one is we want to welcome you here. And the second one, and it's, a first, it's the thing that kind of got me. Garen hooked me on this one. We, we recommend that you try five. You try five. Here's the thing. You know, we got different things going on each Sunday. You know, one Sunday I might flop on the drums. The next Sunday I might kill it. And so uh, the next Sunday, Garen's preaching, the next is Jen, then me. And so we look a little different every single Sunday at this church. And so we want to welcome you to try five. Give us five Sundays and uh, see if you like it here at this church. I said, you know what, I'm going to give it a try when Garen asked a long time ago. I don't know how many years ago. I tell him all the time it feels like it's my first year here at this church. But uh, Garen said, try five. And I said, you know what, let's do it. And we did it and uh, we never left. And so we thank you. And so hopefully we get, uh, we get you guys here. Try five. Um, with that, we are going to continue with our worship, with our tithes and offerings. And uh, guys, listen, I, I say it every single time I get up here, but it's a truth. God has done so much for us. I was listening to a song, and it almost brought me to tears the other day, uh, where it said, you know, you took my place on the cross. And you know, a lot of times it's so easy to sing that. You took my place on the cross. You took my place on the cross. It's so easy, but if you think about it, the truth is this. While we were yet still sinners, while we were yet still sinners, we're in the middle of sinning, God said, I will take their place. I will take their place. I will take their punishment. And he paid that price for us. And there's no way that we could ever pay it back. And the truth is, this is an opportunity that we have in worship that we are able to say, hey, you know what? That God says, hey, look, you could give to me in this way. And so, you know, we do it cheerfully. I, I always practice that. I, I, I tell myself, you know, there's even some times where I've been like, you know what? Lord, you need to deal with my heart. I, I need to be happy about this. And there's been a time or two that I said, you know, I'm going to wait because I'm not happy enough right now, you know. And all of a sudden, and God will stir something up in my heart. And I'm like, here it is. I'm excited. And so, uh, you know, we, we encourage that. We encourage cheerful givers here and, and, and joyful, knowing that we serve a God who is faithful. And so let's pray for this time of worship that we have. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that you give to us that we're able to give back to you. Lord, we thank you for taking care of us for every moment that you've done that we're here in this place that we're watching online, but Lord, that we're, that we're able to be blessed with your presence for another day. <laughs> if you're looking for a miracle, we could just breathe. And that's a miracle in and of itself. And Lord, we thank you for that. And so Lord, bless this time that we have here. Bless this time of worship. Bless this offering. We thank you so much, and it's in Jesus' name, the only name that we pray. Amen. Guys, you're going to see a couple of different ways on the screen that you're able to give online, as well as if you're here in the building, we have some drop boxes in the foyer on your way out, okay? Now we come to uh, the reading of the word, 
And will you pray with me as we focus in on God's word for just the next few moments? Will you pray with me the prayer for understanding? Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. We are going to have two uh, passages uh, right now. Uh, the first one is Psalm 24. So if you have your Bible, you can pretty much just, it's somewhere near the middle. If you don't know where Psalm is, um, another way you can find it is just look in the front. It's okay. There's a whole list of, you know, what page each, each book of the Bible is on. A lot of you have your digital copies, and that is fine. And it's also okay to simply hear the word of the Lord. So that's okay, too, if you just want to hear it. Psalm 24, this is a psalm that was written uh, by King David. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him, for he laid the earth's foundations on the seas and he built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands are pure, hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessings and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors and let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates. Open up the ancient doors. Let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the King of glory. Amen. And then our second passage will be from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 6. So if you want to turn to Isaiah 6, uh, this is a passage that you may be familiar with. This is Isaiah um, experiencing something very unique and um, amazing. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Let that sink in. We could stop right there. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And their voices shook the temple to its foundations. And the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed. For I'm a sinful man, and I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the King, the Lord of the heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew over to me with a burning coal he had taken from the, from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips and with it, he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are 
forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to these people? Whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Church, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me before we begin? Lord, I pray that the meditations of my heart and the words that come out of my mouth will please you. Will you take these words on these pages? May they not be a hindrance to the work of your spirit. Lord, do in us what only you can do. We trust you. And we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we are jumping back. We took a week off of the Beatitudes last week. But we're jumping back in um, with a very short verse. And so we're just going to dive in, okay? You ready? We're just going to dive in because this is a short verse, but it packs a punch. Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. In this short blessing that seems very simple, Jesus does something masterful. He does a few things in this short verse. Just a few words. Jesus offers encouragement to the listeners while challenging the powers that be. He also gives a warning to the listeners. And, you know, I believe that he throws in a little whimsy. And so we're going to get into it. And um, I'm just amazed at the depth of what Jesus can do with just a few words. So we're going to remember the questions that we've been asking the past few weeks. And the first one is, who is Jesus speaking to? And the second is, what's going on? What's going on in the world? What's going on in the lives of the people that he is speaking to? And so we know that Jesus is speaking to the poor and the outcast in these verses. And we know that um, he's pronouncing blessings on them. He's telling them that they are also included in God's kingdom. And God wants to partner with them in his mission to save the world. Nobodies. These dirty, smelly, poor people with no real importance in that day. He says to them, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Now, the people of that day would have known a lot about the understanding of purity. Uh, They had a lot of rules about uh, what it means to be clean and unclean. And they had these rituals that they would do before they would go to certain feasts or festivals because they had this very deeply ingrained understanding of their cleanness or uncleanness. And they had very specific ways to purify themselves in order to be able to step back into society. Now, one um, ritual had to take place before they could enter the temple. And I'm going to show you a picture. Um, This is, Emma, that's the picture of that pool. This is called a mikvah. usually has water in it. I think that that's how it's pronounced, mikvah. Um, And there was a ritual called the mikvah purification. Um, It kind of looks like a large bathtub, don't you think? Yeah. Before coming to the temple, people had to completely immerse themselves to cleanse themselves. And there were actually quite a lot of rules. I'm going to give you an example. Of, okay. So it had to be filled with living water. Okay. So water running from a spring or a deep well. And the amount, this is funny. The amount of water had to equal the volume, I want to get this right, the volume of 5,760 eggs. Eggs. Isn't that a funny way to count? So (laughs) that's how much water had to be in the mikveh. Um, I I think that's maybe super, super weird, whatever. Now here's what's interesting. If there wasn't enough water, they were able to pour in a little bit of water from a non-living source, but if they put in too much or if that amount didn't get them to the 5,000 eggs or whatever, they would have to dump out all the water and fill it back up because it wouldn't have been correct. It wouldn't have met the standards of the mikvah. During the peak seasons in Jerusalem, there would be hundreds of thousands of visitors coming to visit the temple and make their sacrifices. And so they built some mikvehs around the city that people could use. And many people were able to go to be purified through this ritual. Imagine, though, someone who was poor or sick or disabled most likely they would not be able to participate in this ritual. And therefore, they were not able to go to the temple. They had to do this before they could go to the temple. They would be left out of experiencing the presence of God. It's these people, these people that Jesus is speaking saying, blessed are you who have a pure heart, because that matters more than going through the motions of this ritual. If your heart is right, you will see God. You won't need to go to the temple. Ah, 
as you can imagine, this would be a huge slap in the face of the religious leaders. I mean, they had the power to determine whether or not someone was pure enough to enter the temple. They could keep someone from experiencing the presence of God. They had turned what had been a good thing into something that was oppressive for those people in the margins of society. And I'm telling you, the religious leaders of the day were very particular about things. (laughs) In Luke 11, Jesus has some things to say to these religious leaders. And so hear these words of Jesus. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and you will be clean all over. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you love to sit in the seats of honor in the synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk into the marketplaces. Yes, what sorrow awaits you, for you are like hidden graves in a field, People walk over them without knowing the corruption they are stepping on. Teacher, said an expert in religious law, you have insulted us in what you just said. Yes, said Jesus. What sorrow also awaits you experts in religious law, for you crush people with unbearable religious demands, and you never lift a finger to ease the burden. So in a breath, Jesus encourages the people listening to him while offering a sharp rebuke for those who were going through the motions without their hearts being cleansed. Now, clearly, they couldn't jump in a pool and cleanse their heart physically. That would have to be the work of someone greater. Now, I was interested that they used the term living water uh, when they were talking about the the mikvah purification. Because we we know that Jesus speaks of offering living water to the Samaritan woman at the well. And then I read John 7, 37 through 39. I love this. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. 
And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Did you hear that? It's the spirit that cleanses. Instead of a pool filled with a living or running spring of water, Jesus is saying that he will do the purification. He will cleanse hearts. He will make it possible for anyone to see God. Yes. Blessed are those who are, impure, who are pure in heart. They will see God. No one will be able to turn them away. So. Encouragement and challenge. Check. First first thing that Jesus does in this short sentence. Now let's take a look at the next thing that Jesus does. And it's a warning to the listeners. Jesus uses this word. Pure. And it's the same word that's used when God is giving Moses instructions for the people to build a sanctuary for him. This sanctuary where he will dwell among them. He gave clear instructions for certain things to be made out of pure gold. Pure. Not mixed with any other kind of metal. Not even beautiful silver. It had to be all gold. No fillers. No mix-ins. Nothing else. And when I was reading uh, this passage, I was reminded of this commercial that some of you might be familiar with. Just give me honest work at honest pay, honest sweat from honest play, and when I'm through, that's when I'll say, I want my clean as real as I breathe. It's gotta be 99.44. I want my clean as real as I breathe. Nothing less, nothing more. If you're looking for the real clean you can only get from a pure soap, you want ivory. It's gotta be pure, that's for sure. I want my clean as real as ivory. Do y'all remember that? That was like Saturday morning cartoons for me. So <laughs> um, yeah, I want my clean as real as ivory. It's got to be 99.44. I want my clean as real as ivory. It's got to be pure. That's for sure. Um, Did that bug you? Well, yeah, because 99.44 is not 100. It's not pure. (laughs) It's close. Uh, But you can't say that even 99.44% is pure, right? God tells Moses it has to be pure gold. None of this 99.44 stuff. And so when Jesus tells the people that they are blessed, when their hearts are pure, he's letting them know that their trust has to be 100% in God. No mixtures. No fillers. A pure heart is one that's undivided. A pure heart is one that doesn't have a God and way to function. 
not God and Rome, not God and their fishing boats, not God and their bootstraps, not God and anything else. He's telling the people that they are blessed when they are fully surrendered to God and loyal to him alone. You guys, I think that has some um, pretty important ramifications for us today, don't you? And I'll let you connect the dots to the things that we put our trust in. I'm not saying that we don't trust God, but do we trust him 99.44% with a little bit of something else? I mean, I know. I know. I know what you're thinking. I do. We have responsibilities and bills to pay, and we have ideals to uphold, and if we don't elect the right people, we're in big trouble, and God helps those who help themselves, which is nowhere in the Bible. It's absurd to surrender our lives completely to God. I mean, it could mess up our vacation. Blessed are those who are fully devoted to and fully trust in God. They'll be able to see him. They'll see him show up. Wholehearted followers. Nothing held back. Nothing else being held onto. That's purity of heart. We read the passage earlier about the cleansing and calling of Isaiah. And I got to say, I was struck with how undone he was in the presence of God. He became abundantly clear of his own impurities and it wrecked him. It wrecked him. I read that and my heart was challenged and checked. Do I have a divided heart? And how could I, when I'm faced with the greatness and the holiness and the awesomeness of God, how could I put my trust in anything else? It should wreck me when my heart is divided. But it's so easily justified. And before we know it, we have this alloy mixture in our hearts that have some of Jesus and a bit of money mixed in and a heap of our political ideals and a dash of other people's opinions. I mean, it may look pretty good, but it's not pure. Blessed are those whose hearts are holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, God's. 100% undivided. Those people will see God. So in that little sentence, Jesus has encouraged his listeners, challenged the powers of the day, and he has given them a warning. And then we read that, and you think, whimsy? What? Really? I mean, those are pretty harsh words that Jesus is proclaiming to the people. There are some hard things to listen to, and, and the depth of that is really, really deep. Whimsy? 
it's ridiculous. No, it's not. It's just like Jesus, I think. I'm currently reading um, a book by Tish Harrison Warren, and it's called Prayer in the Night. It's good. And one paragraph captured my imagination the other day. She quotes an author named Mike Cosper. And so you need to really tune in because I'm going to read this quote by him. So, so like I would say to my kids, turn your listening ears on because I really want you to hear this, okay? Christians and non-Christians alike are disenchanted because we're all immersed in a world that presents a material understanding of reality as the plausible and grown-up way of thinking. To come to live in the kingdom of God or to seek to live in a world other than our disenchanted milieu requires a wholesale, listen, reordering of our habits and commitments. We are discipled by nearly every impulse of our culture to believe that the here and now is all there is. That the only hope offered for us is found in what we can taste, smell, feel, and see. To believe in something beyond the material world, we have to take up practices that form our imaginations and hearts and minds in light of the resurrection in light of the possibility that, as Elizabeth Barrett Browning reminds us, earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush of fire with God. Or as Jesus would say, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless you repent, that is, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, live changed lives, and become like children, trusting, humble, and forgiving, you will never enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of a more beautiful or whimsical understanding of being pure in heart than the, the imagination, the awe, and the wonder of a child. It's so easy for us in our Christian circles and in our well-intentioned devotion to God to become jaded, disenchanted, disappointed. Life is hard. People are hurtful. And grief is overwhelming. So we walk around with our sour faces and mean words Because we just can't see past the pain. But Jesus is calling us to so much more. You've got to be a wide-eyed kid again. You've got to know that there's so much still to learn and so much growing still to do. I want to show you just a short little video of a picture of maybe what... um, what it looks like. This is a kid seeing Christmas decorations for the first time. Oh, 
back in the 90s. I don't recommend the movie, but it has one of my very favorite quotes in it. Um, it's from a movie called Joe versus the Volcano. Uh, honestly, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but this is what one of the characters says. My father says that almost the whole world is asleep. Everybody you know, everybody you see, everybody you talk to, He says that only a few people are awake and they live in a state of constant, total amazement. To become like a child is to know that you are dependent on someone else. To become like a child is to know that you don't know it all. To become like a child is to have a giddy excitement over the little things. (laughs) To become like a child is to not be cool and to be okay with it. (laughs) To become like a child is to be a sponge for learning. To become like a child is to forgive quickly, share your toys, and bring joy to the people around you. This. I believe is such a beautiful way to understand what it means to have a pure heart. Or maybe we could say it this way. Blessed are those who aren't jaded and disenchanted, who approach this life with God-inspired childlike wonder. They will be able to see God everywhere. My prayer is that we, that you will be among the blessed who are able to see God, my friends. That you will trust him with your whole heart, not 99.44. And let him do the work in your heart that going through the motions cannot do. And I pray that you will walk around with a silly grin on your face all the time, or as much as possible, because all of a sudden, you're seeing God everywhere. May people think you are crazy. And may they begin to see the living water flowing right out of you and onto everyone around you. Let's pray. Jesus, that's the kind of heart I want. I want to have a heart that so fully trusts you just like a child. I want a heart that is so filled up with only you that it is spilling out into other people's lives around me. And I pray that it's the same for my friends here today. Lord, purify us. Cleanse our hearts. Fill us with the living water of your spirit. 
be able to see you in every bush, in every tree, in the formation of the clouds, in the grass that grows, in the ocean that roars. Lord, will you open our eyes so that we can live in such awe and wonder of who you are, of your greatness, of your goodness, of your mercy and your might. Cleanse us and fill us and help us to splash out over everyone around us. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. We're going to come to the table. Um, If you have your elements, you can go ahead and get them out. If you don't have them, um, we have them at the back table. Feel free while I'm talking to go grab them. We come to the table regularly because we understand that what we do regularly is what shapes us. Our habits form us. And we need to constantly remember that we are his and that everything we in and we do, everything that we are, flows from the grace that he gives to us. And so we come to the table to remember and then we leave to proclaim. And so we if if you have your your wafer on the night that our Lord was to be betrayed, he was with his disciples in um, an upper room. They were celebrating uh, Passover, a time when God had stepped in and done the miraculous and had um, filled them with awe and wonder as God liberated the people from their oppression. And... and Jesus decided to take this moment and use it as a teaching lesson and tell them, hey, I'm doing something new. You know, I've been telling you for three and a half years and and it's time. And he lifted up the bread and where the script would say this, Jesus went off script and said, this bread represents my body, which will be broken for you. Take, eat, and be thankful. And in a similar way, at the appropriate time, he lifted up the cup. And he said, this cup represents the new covenant. I know we're getting ready to celebrate and to remember the covenant that was made back all those years ago in Egypt. But this represents the new covenant. This represents my blood, which will be shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. So take, drink all of it and be thankful. We come to you today, Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your obedience to the Father. Thank you for sending us your Holy Spirit. This Spirit 
that you said will empower us to do even greater things than you did while you were on earth because your spirit is alive and at work, not just in you, but in all of us because you live in us. May we live our lives on mission for you. May we live our lives remembering that spirit that lives within us. That same power that raised you from the dead, Jesus, is alive and at work in us. And you've got greater things in store for this city, for this church, for this nation, for this world. Because you are always a God of greater. May we live in childlike wonder and purity of hearts into your mission here for us today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Um, A lot of you are visiting. What we do here at our church is we sing our benediction. And so uh, you probably won't know it, but that's okay. Just listen and receive it. And when you come back for your Tri Five, you'll be able to join us next time. Uh, But let's sing together. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Go today to love God with pure hearts.